Good morning. Good morning. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. My name is Jennifer Rivera. This is my husband, David. And if we haven't gotten to meet you yet, um, we are from a church down in Manahawkin. We're from Main Street Alliance Church, and we uh, believe that God is going to uh, do something on Long Beach Island in the next couple of years, and we want to be part of it. And so we believe that we're going to go and plant a church in Long Beach Island. And we have been blessed with learning from you guys for the next year. We are on a, a, a learning track. And so we have gotten to be with you guys for a couple of months. We have um, a few more months to go. And we have absolutely loved being here. And we've absolutely loved getting to know uh, to know some of you, and we look forward to getting to know others. Um, one thing I do want to say is we are really, 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 really in need of partnering with you. And so you might say, who laughs every time? Dear Lord, sir. <laughs> no, but seriously, we, we believe that, that not only are we going to Long Beach Island, but we believe that God is calling True Life to go to Long Beach Island. And although that might not mean that you're going to move there, although you can, and if you think that might be you, please see us after. Please. We do want people to partner with us in prayer. And so right now, Pastor Chris mentioned it last week, but we're looking for 50 people that are committed to pray with us. And we are going to be sending out biweekly updates about um, specific prayer requests and what God is doing on the island. Uh, but it's really exciting, and it's a really exciting season, and, and we want you guys to be part of it, but we need to know that you guys are with us. And so if you are interested in, A, knowing more about Long Beach Island, or B, uh, signing up for our prayer team, please do. We're looking for 50 people. Right now we've got about 45 spots open. So if you are interested in joining us, please, please, please see us after. So with that, my husband is going to preach. We're so honored uh, to get to, to share the pulpit today. And so um, I'm going to pray for him. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much um, just for who you are, for what you want to do in our lives. I thank you for um, just this opportunity to share your word. Uh, I pray for um, the message that Dave's about to speak. And God, I just pray that you would quiet our hearts for a few minutes. I pray that um, even though there's so many things going on, so many, uh, so many different to-do lists, so many different uh, things of baggage, so much, so much that came in with us this morning, God, I pray that we would put it at your feet yeah. and that we would take a couple of minutes to hear from you because I believe that you are here and I believe that you want to do something and I believe that you want to change lives this morning. And so I pray that we would um, be listening, that we would be attentive to your spirit and that you would move in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hello, good morning. Uh, once again, my name is uh, David Rivera, and um, I just want to first off start off by saying uh, thank you to you guys for allowing me the opportunity to come and preach this morning. It, um, it really is a, it is a great opportunity, and we are very, very thankful. Just like my wife said, we have been really blessed by getting to know um, a lot of you, um, and we are absolutely loving our time here at True Life. It's, you guys are making it really hard to leave, uh, so thank you for that. Uh, we, we really enjoy our time here. Um, but when we were first asked to come to True Life, I, I got to admit, we were, we, were, <laughs> we were not that thrilled. Um, 
right away we were like, why true life? Like, what are we going to learn there? Oh, what, 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 why can't we learn it here? You know? We don't know anyone. Ah, we know some people. And it's so far. It's like an hour away, you know? It's so far, my wife would say. It's so far. Right away, our minds were filled with such, like, obstacles and doubts, right? How is it going to work? What are we going to do? How long is this really going to take? And what was presented as an opportunity, we right away turned into a burden. Have any of you here ever done that before? <laughs> Never, right? Before we can even really take a moment to consider it or to pray about it, we scrutinize it right away. We tear it down. That's not going to work. I'm too busy. I can't make it. I mean, don't you guys know I have four kids? I got four. That's what happened with my wife and I when we considered church planning. Then God opened some doors and we were like, okay, uh, we could try this. Uh, let's try and plan a church. And now we're here with you guys and God has been awesome and, and you guys have been really awesome. And I look back and I'm like, man, why do I always do that? Why do I get lost in the situation and forget about God in the process? Why do I start off with passion and excitement and then get filled with doubt and frustration? I read a poll uh, that was conducted by Gallup and it stated that out of the world's billions of full-time workers, about 85% of people either hate or are, or are unhappy with their job. 85% of people hate or are unhappy with their job. And honestly, I'm not surprised, because I know me. I look back at all the jobs that I had and the excitement I always would have when I started a new company. I was always grateful to start something new, meet new people, learn new processes, develop new skills, and of course, there's always that incentive of making more money. I love to make more money. And the first two weeks on the job, I would, I would come home, tell my wife how excited I was. I was like, ooh, this is who I met. This is what they do. This is what I got to do. Man, I really, really enjoy being at this place. I like this job. I think, you know, I don't know. I'm, I, I could be a manager someday. I think this is it. And then after a couple of weeks, maybe some months, that very same job ain't so great anymore. My boss treats me like trash, you know? Everyone just dumps their task on me, and no one does what they're supposed to do. I'm working crazy hours, and I don't even know why we do half the stuff we do. I'm sick of working here. What, is, what, what has happened? What happens to me? I get lost. That's what happens. Have any of you here ever felt that way? You get lost? And while it's bad enough on its own, it's even worse when it happens with our relationship with Jesus. And yet it can, and it does. We can miss Jesus 
We can miss Jesus when we're, when we're trying to serve him. We can miss Jesus when we're trying to get other people to follow him. We can miss Jesus even when we're coming to church or planning a church. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit uh, today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in verses uh, 38 through 42. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. It'll probably, it's going to be on the screen. But I'm going to read it. And it starts at Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I can read the Bible and I, and I can skim over some parts. I, I can probably skim over more parts than I'd like to admit. Especially a story like this that I've, that I've heard before. In fact, I would say about nine out of ten times, I would just read this passage and probably think nothing of it. But why is this passage here? What is Luke trying to, trying to get at by including this? You see, the whole chapter begins with Jesus sending out the 72, which I get, right? Jesus is teaching his disciples to bring the gospel here, there, and everywhere. He puts them in pairs, and he tells them what to do when someone rejects the gospel or what, who listens to the gospel. And the disciples do what Jesus says, and they come back, and they're fired up. Verse 17 says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. And Jesus rejoices with them, and they praise God. And it's an amazing testimony, right? It's awesome. It's powerful. So I get why that story is included there. And then Luke goes on to add the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is basically Jesus teaching an expert in the law how and what loving your neighbor really looks like. And he uses a Samaritan man as an illustration. And back then, Samaritan people and the Jews did not get along. And so it's a powerful word and an eye-opening testimony of God's love and how we can react to people. So I get why that story's there. I get why Luke wants to tell us about that time. But now we read about Mary and Martha. Two bickering sisters, <laughs> honestly. And if you have siblings, uh, you know we fight a lot, right? And over, over some dumb stuff. I have two brothers, and we would fight over every and anything imaginable. It don't matter what it is. And now I got four kids, and I, I can't even tell you the amount of stuff that they argue and fight over. But this story is not about just two siblings bickering over something dumb. In fact, the situation is not dumb at all. You see, Martha invites Jesus and his disciples over her house. And as a good host, she wants to 
make some food for them and, and, and be a good um, hostess, right? And so, you know, when you were a kid and, and your mom would have people over, she would have you break out, at least my mom, the good china, you know, the stuff sitting in the cabinet for all year and you break it out for one day. That's what's happening here. So she begins to prepare the food, the table, and everything that, that goes along with being a good host. And meanwhile, Mary is just listening to Jesus. And Martha begins to feel like a certain kind of way towards Mary. She starts to feel bitter. She starts to think, man, I'm doing all this work while my sister is just sitting there. This isn't fair. Why am I doing all the work? You see, her desire to serve Jesus is not wrong in any way. It's what happens while she's serving that I believe Luke is trying to point out. See, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's just listening to him speak and teach, and she is just enjoying being in his presence. She doesn't think she's doing anything wrong, and she's not. But Martha, who started wanting to, started off wanting to serve Jesus, is now feeling left out, annoyed, and bitter. She starts to get lost in her task. She starts picking at what needs to be done and who's not helping her do it. Finally, she's had enough. She marches over to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell her to help me. I mean, these are grown women. She doesn't ask her sister to help. She doesn't nicely pull her sister aside and say, listen, hey, I got Jesus and his disciples here. I'm trying to make this good food. Can you help me? Can you put some stuff out? No. And the very thing she wanted to use to bless Jesus has now become her own burden. She allows her serving to turn into complaining. She gets so lost in what needs to be done. Have you guys ever felt that way? And what does Jesus do? Does he come along to Martha's aid and rebuke Mary for being so lazy? No. No, he doesn't. Jesus looks at her and basically says, Martha, you are focused on all the wrong things. And Mary is not. In fact, Mary is doing what is right. She's focused on me, and that is way more important than anything else. I once heard a, a, a pastor preach and he said, he said, don't let what God has called you to do get in the way of what God has called you to do. <laughs> like what? What does that even mean, right? For me, it reminds me of all the times I lost sight of Jesus. For the past almost 10, 12 years, I felt called to be a pastor, but sometimes I let that call get in the way of simply knowing Jesus. Oswald Chambers says, Many people today are pouring out their lives and working for Jesus Christ, but not many people are walking with him. 
if I'm honest, I'm embarrassed to admit how many times I can fall into that camp. As many of you guys know, my wife and I, we, we were uh, serving down at Main Street Alliance Church. Uh, the previous church went from about 700 people to 27 people. And so our team was asked to kind of step in and help restart this dying church. And so we jumped right in, you know. We know that we're called to pastor and, and disciple people in their walks with Jesus. And so what better way to do that, right? The church had been going through so many hardships over the years. And we felt like God was going to revive this dying church and that it was going to be a pillar in the community. And in a lot of ways it has. It has been awesome. We've seen God work in miraculous ways over these last five years. The church has grown unbelievably. And the members that have grown from the 27 still there have grown to almost 300 on a Sunday. People have gotten saved. The church is currently is a staple in that community. And God has truly done a work inside that church. But being a church plant in a 27,000 square foot facility was not easy. The constant needs of this giant building were never ending. The need to lead was so great, and there were very few of us to lead and help grow these ministries. And rather than make, uh, recognizing that maybe, maybe we were unable to offer everything that maybe a, a fully staffed church uh, would be able to offer, we did everything in our power to make sure we had these ministries available. We were a church plant, but in order to stay afloat, the building really needed to be a fully functioning church. And so we would, you know, we would jump in and lead and we would develop children's ministries and we would, we would get people to volunteer. But at the same time, there wasn't many volunteers. So we would just use the same people. And the people who were in children's church, now they were asked to serve in youth group. Well, then can you also serve in hospitality? Can you help on the treasury team? Hey, we really need some ushers. And for me, the passion to serve out of a love for Christ began to fade. I quickly found out that I was just trying to stay afloat. Check the boxes and make sure all my tasks got done. Instead of pastoring people, I noticed I was just calling to make sure that you would show up for your assigned duties on a Sunday. I noticed myself beginning to criticize other people who were not as all in as I was. The growth of ministry became more important than the care of people. And the people who were willing to serve on my teams, well, what did you think happened? They, they started to feel burnt out and used simply because the need to serve was so great. I had gotten lost in working for Jesus rather than walking with him. Ministry became more of an obligation and was no longer a blessing. Sorry, I lost my spot here. I had become Martha. And it got worse. 
family, friends, co-workers were written off because they didn't fit into my little box of Christianity or Christian ministry? If within a few weeks you didn't desire to, to know Christ or be in ministry, then I would just distance myself from our relationship and wouldn't pour, any, wouldn't pour into it anymore. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I wasn't intentionally trying to do that. But when the focus is constantly on tasks, people get missed. People get hurt. And the result of living that way caused me to miss a lot of opportunities. New friendships with coworkers, a continuing love for people who don't know Jesus, a willingness to love them whether they accepted Christ or not. I was Martha and I knew it. What started out as an exciting opportunity quickly turned into a self pity party. See, Martha wasn't wrong for being busy, for serving or, or for doing. In fact, Jesus came to serve. Like, we are called to serve, right? Martha was wrong because her focus, her goal, her obsession was on her instead of Jesus. If she was really serving out of a, a joy and thankfulness, and her eyes were on Jesus, then it wouldn't have mattered what Mary was doing. She would have been just as fulfilled by her work as Mary was. Because it all depends on where your focus is. And that is what God has been showing me over the past two years. My focus had shifted in the wrong direction. See, when I first became a Christian, man, I was just so thankful that God had saved me. I befriended anyone who was willing to uh, be friends with me. I lived a life of appreciation because I know I should have been dead. I had a group of men around me that would help disciple me and help me, in the pro help me process whatever it was I was going through. And this past year, I feel like God has been bringing me back to the basics. So what did that look like for me? I had to put a hard stop on everything. Stop it all. Although we had been leading at a high level, my wife and I, we took a step out of regular ministry. We stopped leading. We stopped preaching. Stopped organizing. Whatever it was, we said, we're not doing it. And that was really, really hard. We realized how much we had wrapped our lives in, in, in our task, in our works, and, and no longer Jesus. And I felt bad. I didn't, I didn't want to uh, burden anyone else. And I felt like, man, if I don't do it, then who will? Who's going to step in and lead? And I don't want to let anyone down, right? What, do you, what, what will so-and-so think? Will they not be my friend anymore? Are they upset with me? And the big one. I didn't want to look like I couldn't handle it. I mean, what's everyone going to say? After all, I'm a pastor. Supposed to be leading. Right? Supposed to be serving. 
But do you see how arrogant that also sounds? Like how silly. As if God needs me. I had to repent. For thinking too highly of myself. For caring too much about what others think of me. For focusing on the wrong thing. I had to refocus and let God take his rightful place in my heart again. I had to get men around me again, asking annoying questions, but caring for me, pushing me, challenging me, and encouraging me. I had to make prayer a priority and not some checklist, a lifestyle being lived out through prayer. Scripture had to come alive in my heart and in my mind again. Ultimately, I had to die again to my own thoughts, my desires, wishes, ambitions, and just fall in love with Jesus again, no matter what the cost was. And so what about you? Maybe you're not a church planner or a pastor, but neither was Mary and neither was Martha. Their story reminds us that this can happen to us all. My wife sent me this, uh, this quote this week from Rich Velotis, who's a, a pastor in a church in Queens, New York. And he said, the troubling reality is that believers can be deeply committed to being Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ. I'm going to say that again. The troubling reality is that believers can be deeply committed to being a Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ. Man, those should be the scariest words that any of us ever read. Because they show that we can, we can check all the boxes. You can come to church. You can read the Bible. You can sing the songs and you can lead the life groups. You can do all those things and never experience the transforming work that is found in Jesus Christ. Because working for Jesus does not equal knowing Jesus. And so where are you at today? If you call yourself a, a follower of Jesus, does anybody know that you are? Is your life one of joy, passion, and excitement? Or does your life sound a little more like Martha? Do you find yourself angry, rushing, or quick with others when they don't live up to your expectations? Would you have the courage to ask some people around you what it is like to be around you? Because people love to be around Jesus. Sometimes they felt like they were offended by his message or at his claims, but he wasn't angry. He wasn't anxious or complaining all the time. He was a source of life. Because life breeds life, right? Excitement breeds excitement. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Is that you today? Do you find yourself panicked, complaining, anxious? If that's you today, then let's all be honest together, can we? Because it can happen to any one of us. And if you find yourself in that place like Martha, 
task-oriented, too busy for real relationship, treating relationship with Jesus like some task on a checklist? Raise your hand if you're here. If this is resonating with you at all, then these words are for you. And listen to these words from Jesus. But insert your name. Insert your name in this verse. Verse 41, Martha, Martha. David, David. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one is. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It does not have to be this way. The Bible says that Jesus came to give life abundant, life overflowing. And if you are just trudging along through life, then something is wrong. But this is a moment that, that God could do a work in our hearts right here, right now, right this moment. You don't have to leave the same way you came in. This is not a call to, let me, let me also state this, this is not a call for you to uh, go and drop all your responsibilities and commitments either. Because again, it wasn't what Martha was doing, but who she was doing it for, where her focus was, and where her motivation was. And the same is true for you, us. If you raised your hand, then please be encouraged, because our God is not too small to save. Maybe like me, maybe like Martha, maybe you've forgotten who he is. Maybe you've forgotten what he's done or how he has loved you. He is big enough to captivate you, to capture you, and to fill you with all. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and... Um, We're going to take this moment to, to worship together. And I want to challenge everyone here. Wherever you're at in life, whatever it is, to do business with God. Go to his feet like Mary did. Sit in his presence. Don't get lost and and what needs to get done, what you have to do, where you're going. But sit in his presence. Push everything else aside and fall in love with Jesus again. And so we're going to sing, and, and as we do, please, again, if you need to pray with someone, then pray with someone. If you need to get on your knees, please. Get on your knees. If you need to repent, please repent. But whatever you do, don't leave here the same. Let God change your heart. Let God change your mind. Fall back in love with Jesus and leave here changed. Thank you.